0: Well, this morning we get to continue our time um, in this Advent series, this hope that we have, desire that we have, um, and and how we've seen that these innate desires, these indwelling desires that are part of being human, are designed by God within us to be met in Him. And so for the last um, three weeks, we have looked at a couple different ways that that's true, We've looked at the fact that we have a longing for justice. We want what is right to be done. And we've talked several several ways about how we might disagree on what is right. And yet, we know that there is something right. And God has designed that in us. And then, he has sent the righteous one to walk that out for us. And so we saw how our longing for justice is met in Jesus. And then... Two weeks ago we talked about um, how this hunger that we have for relationships and how we were created in God's image for community. And we've seen that. We've experienced that in our own lives. We've definitely tasted that there is uh, something about the enjoyment within community that's better than a solitary enjoyment. right? We can't fully partake of something by ourselves, but when we get to share that joy together and And whether that 's like a a ball game, whether that 's a movie, whatever it is there 's different things that we enjoy that are just enjoyed better in community and that 's God wired us that way. He wired us that way because he is community, he is the triune god he he is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and together they they dwell glorifying one another, and we were created to participate in that, and so we 've seen that. That this hunger that we have for relationships is met in first and foremost in relationship to God and because of what Jesus has done he gives us the ability to relate well and fully and righteously and perfectly with one another as broken humans. And then last week we talked about this quest for spirituality. All of us know that there's more than just the material that we see. There's, There's more to life. There's purpose. There's reason. And so we have this quest, this desire for spirituality, and yet we put it in so many wrong things. And we saw how Paul even spoke to that innate desire that was in the Athenian people, and he pointed them to what would satisfy that desire. And so he pointed them to Jesus, who meets us in our quest for spirituality and gives us faith, right? Faith that there is more to this life than what you see in your day-to-day faith that Jesus has come and there's a greater reality than what you would experience. Well, this week we look at um, this this fourth point in our series, this fourth echo of a voice, this delight that we have in beauty. And so uh, I'm excited to, to preach this message this morning because God has stirred in me the reminder that everything that I hope for, everything that I see as beautiful is just a mere dim reflection of my Savior. And so even the people that I see as beautiful, not just because of their outward appearance, but because of their inner beauty, are reflections of God Himself. And so this morning we we see that our delight in beauty this innate thing that's dwell, that, that lives inside of every human being finds its ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment in the person of Jesus. And what we have is in the story of Scripture, we have at the very beginning, there was a delight in beauty that Adam and Eve had that was satisfied in God himself. Unfortunately, we also have some more of the story where it didn't satisfy. They, they wanted more. And in their brokenness... I chose to to go after other things than God, than to be satisfied with God. And then that's our story. That's where we live. And yet Jesus has come and He's redeemed that. He has made a way for us to be satisfied in God. And we we look at the end of the story, at the end of Scripture. And the end of Scripture is us, if we are in Christ, standing before the throne, worshiping the God and looking at His beauty and being satisfied with that for eternity. We'll just pause there cuz that's going to take a a minute for us to be even begin to wrap our heads around. For eternity, you and I were made to gaze at the beauty of Christ and to worship him. Today we begin um it, we don't have to wait till heaven for that to happen. I think sometimes we get caught up in that and thinking, well, but I have real things right now. Like, heaven is that spiritual other thing, but I have real things right now that desire my attention, that need my attention. Be careful with need. <laughs> Many times we use need instead of want or hope or what would be nice. What do we need? We need to be satisfied in Jesus. And if if that need is actually met, then all the other things fade. If that is our first priority, as we see in the Psalm of David today, then all these other things fade away. So that, that's where we're at this morning. I was thinking about beauty, and I was driving, and man, we've, we take it for granted that we can look in every direction, and there's water. It's like, it's gorgeous. There's palm trees. There's bridges that we cross over, causeways, where for some reason people park on the side of the road and spend a majority of their time, which is awesome, and Kind of weird. But like this is where we live. We can go to the beach. We can go to the river. We can go anywhere. And one of the things that we get to partake in and that we get to see really often is the rainbow. And we just take it for granted. There are people that do not live around water and do not have this climate and the, the thunderstorms that can both be aggravating and beautiful at the same time that we do. And so we see rainbows all the time. But I was thinking about these rainbows, and like they are fleeting. They are a beautiful image of beauty, a beautiful display of beauty. God's promise to us, right, His promise to Noah that He would never again flood the face of the earth, is seen is, is uh, met in the rainbow. Right, the promise is there. And so when we see this rainbow, we we're like, wow! Do you see that? And some people, even in the same car, will be able to see it, and we'll, others won't be able to see it, just because you have to be at the perfect angle to see that beautiful rainbow. And, and that rainbow isn't going to last forever, and so you, you find yourself, I find myself sometimes driving and keep looking at the rainbow. It's not safe. Don't do it. But we love it. Like, there's something beautiful in that moment. Sometimes you see the whole rainbow, sometimes you see a double rainbow, Right? That's awesome. But this idea that we long for beauty is seen when we see a rainbow. And then we hope that we can just keep seeing it. But it fades away. The beauty of Jesus, the beauty of God, will never fade away. But he's given us those echoes, those reminders of his beauty that we get to see and behold for a little bit. And it just stirs this inner inner thing inside of us. And if we're human, that inner thing is supposed to be this delight that we have in our God. I love C.S. Lewis and Jeremiah pointing me to this quote. It says, C.S. Lewis says this, The books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust to them. It was not in them, it only came through them. And what came through them was Longing. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past, are good images of what we really desire. But if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. That's where we're at today. This idea that when we see Behold something. It's just an echo. It's a fading image of what is true and beautiful and lasting and eternal. So I pray that today the Lord would open our eyes, even as we read his word. That as we hold out this good thing to each other, and you guys are holding it out to me just as I'm holding it out to you, that we would not only hold it out and proclaim it, but we would take hold of it. I could say, yes, that is the one thing that I desire. That's the one beauty that I want to behold. And I'm going to circle my whole life. I'm going to orient my whole life around that passion. And that as we do that together, that we would be a people that are changed. We'd be a people that are different. We would be a people that are conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. God, we thank you. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, the gift that puts lyrics to the song in our heart. God, we have a tune. We have something inside of us that would long to proclaim your beauty and your worth and your majesty. And you've given us the words to do it. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts today. By the power of your spirit, through the proclamation of of your word found in scripture. Through the words of Jesus himself, Lord, that we would long to know you, to gaze upon your beauty, and that in that moment, we would find the truest form of our humanity, the way that you have created us, God, that you would restore what has been broken and stolen and lost, God, and that we would love you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, I pray that as your proclamation is made throughout the world today, the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ, that everyone who has heard it before and those who are hearing it for the first time would be in awe of the beauty of Jesus, the one who has made a way for us to be restored to a holy God. So Lord, would you do that in our hearts today? And by doing that, would, it change, would you work in us a change that we would not chase after the created thing? That we would not chase after the temporary beauty, but we would chase after you. We ask this in your name knowing that we can pray it with confidence because this is your desire. You created us to know you, to worship you, to love you. And So we pray that you would do that in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in Psalm 27, and uh, we're going to focus really on verse 4, but I, wanna, I just want to frame it for us this morning, so I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. This is a Psalm of David. David is crying out. I, like it, it struck me this week. I'm thankful for David. I'm thankful for the words that he gives us to praise God with. They're not always words that that make much of God. Sometimes they're words that really describe the brokenness inside of us, right? But he, he just covers this beautiful gamut, and we have them recorded for us. And so we have this gift of Scripture this morning that I want to read. Psalm 27, beginning in verse 1. Amen. Amen. So when we begin to really kind of dwell on this passage, meditate on this passage, when you look at verse 4, it begins with this idea that one thing, one thing I seek after. And so we're just going to jump right into the conviction here. Like we're going to jump right into the correction for us. And it's a correction for David, too. Like, even as he writes this, we, if we know any of David's stories, we know that his passions were conflicted, right? David was not perfect by any means. He was, he was one of the greatest sinners that we can think of. When we think of uh, adultery and murder, we think, man, that's, that's on our scale of sin because we have a hierarchy. We think that those are like the top. That's, that's as bad as it gets. And David is, is accused and convicted of those crimes. He did it. We, we lose sight of that sometimes. Like as bad as you think that you could be, there are men and women in the Bible that are held out as people who would chase after God. David is known as a man after God's own heart. And yet the reality of his sin was never taken away. Like, he he was a sinner, saved by grace. Not because of his own works. Not because of the sacrifices that he would go and offer in the temple. He was saved because Jesus would one day walk perfect righteousness for him, and his sin would be washed away at the cross where the blood of Jesus was poured out. That's true for David. And you're like, no, that hap- David happened before... No, it's true. Every, every sin before Christ, every sin during Christ, and every sin since Christ is, is atoned for in Christ's death and His resurrection on the cross. The Lord. Amen. And so we look back to that, and they looked forward to one who would come and walk that perfect righteousness out for them. And many thought it was David. And then they looked for somebody from the line of David. And as we saw several weeks ago, this righteous branch from David has come. And he has executed perfect justice. Listen, that should both lead to an awe and a weight in us. That, oh man, justice, that's not good for me. And yet, instead of justice because of Christ, if we are in Christ, we receive mercy. We receive the mercy of God, the goodness of God poured out through his son Jesus on our behalf. Listen, if, when you get on Tuesday, when life is getting out of control and the kids are going to be out of school very soon, and then now what are we going to do? And we've got all these things that are mounting up. You need to stop and you need to remember. You no, know, the goodness and loving kindness of God was poured out to me through Jesus on the cross. And as we do that, and that becomes this one thing that we're seeking after, this one passion that we have, all of the other things pale in comparison to Jesus. Verse 4 says, One thing I have asked of the Lord. What's the one thing? And then you quickly say, Actually, he's saying two things. He's saying... I want to dwell in the house of the Lord, and I want to gaze upon His beauty. But really, that's one thing. Like, where else would you see Jesus but in His presence? He's saying, I want to be in the presence of God. I want to know Him. I want to see what He's like and who He is, and I want that to be what satisfies me. This one thing that David is seeking after. It reminds me of uh, Jesus speaking in parables to his disciples and to, to the people that are with him. And in Matthew thirteen forty four through 46 he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. There's a singular treasure that Jesus is talking about there. Whether it's the single pearl or whether it's the treasure in the field, but it's this one thing that you're going you're to orient your whole life. You're going to give up everything else to go and get. And that's what David's saying here in this song. He's saying, one thing will I seek after, and it's to know God, to be with Him, to gaze upon His beauty, And so, what does that look like for us today? Do we have that same desire? If we had to say, hey, one thing my whole life revolves around, what is your answer? Myself. Yeah. My family? Like, maybe we'll open it up a little bit so we don't sound selfish, and we'll say my family, right? But even that is often like... Me and my reflection through my family. Maybe it's my career. Right? Maybe it's just being happy. Maybe it's being in control of the things that are around me. Like there's so many things that, that we, not just our culture, but we say with our lives is our one desire. And then, yeah, culture says a lot of things. Right? A lot of misplaced idolatry, has, and, and it's because they don't have truth. They're longing for beauty. They're, they're desiring it, right? They're del- they want to delight in it because that's the way they were made, and yet they don't have the truth, or they have been given the truth and they just don't believe it. And we do the same thing. We've been given the truth, and yet tomorrow I'm going to forget, and I'm going to need to be reminded That what I desire and what I I delight to look at is Jesus himself. Alexander Pope has this quote. He says, "Uh, one master passion in the breast, like Aaron's serpent, swallows up the rest. Like that one thing that's ruling you is going to swallow up all the other things. Eventually, that one thing is going to take over your life. And so whether it's success or whether it's a career or whether it's uh, the the idea that I'm going to get married one day and, and that's where I need to be. That one passion will consume all the other passions that you have. And thankfully, for us that are in Christ, it's the promise that He who began the good work in you is faithful to complete it. And that good work was, that hey, I had this really small desire for Jesus, like, maybe it was misplaced. Maybe I was just looking for the things that He could give me. But that, that one passion has grown and it's consumed my other passions. And now I just want to know Him for who He is. And I want others to know Him for who He is. And so, don't, don't take this as, as condemning. Because if you're here today and you have any inkling of passion... Any inkling of desire to know who God is, it's because the Holy Spirit is working that in you. And He is faithful when we are faithless. And so He will continue to work that passion and He will consume our other passions for us, which is crazy. Thank God. But there's an active piece to this. Like we can't just sit back and say, well, I've got these other passions and they're real damaging, but eventually God's going to fix them. No. No. What are we feeding? Are we feeding our passion for Netflix? Are we, our, like, the Netflix and chill idea? Right? Is that what we're feeding? Are we feeding our desire for knowledge? Are we feeding our desire for fake relationships? And, and I'm not going to go on a rant, but, but we, like, look at your phone, because all of them do it these days, and they tell you what app you have been in the most. And so that's, that's a good barometer just to say, hey, God, help me. Reveal to me what my passion is because if it's not you, I want it to change. And then I need not just a desire, but I need your Holy Spirit to do that, like, deep work in my heart. And then we get to do it together as the church, like, to be like, hey, man, you're really excited about the Mariners, Joel. Like, that's cool, but maybe some of your passion is misplaced, Right? If you hear me talking more about something other than Jesus, you get to point that out to me. And we get to do that together, not in condemning ways, but in kind ways and say, no, don't forget. You have Jesus. The, the one who has come and he's laid down his life so that you can have life and breath and joy and peace. And so as we get wrapped up in every other thing during this Advent season, we get to remind each other, no, it's not about the gifts. It's not about the time off. It's not about the hope you have to be with family. It's about Jesus. It's about the babe in a manger who came. And, and, and maybe you like babies. Maybe there's not a baby that you've seen that wasn't beautiful. Or maybe you've never seen a pretty baby. Like, I think we're all somewhere on that scale. But this baby came and he had no form that we should be drawn to him in the, in the physical, right? In the outer appearance. But he had something that was internal, that was part of the spiritual realm that would draw all men unto him because he is the savior of the world. He's come. That's what we remember during this Advent season. He has come and he's coming again. Beauty is beheld through the eyes but embraced in the heart. Listen, what you point your eyes to is, 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 not, the, is not the fullness of taking in the beauty. Beauty, you, you embrace it in your heart. But what your eyes are pointed to is what's going to go into your heart. And so, again, we ask the question, like, what am I looking at? What am I longing for? What am I seeing as beautiful other than Jesus, other than God himself? To gaze at the beauty of God is to embrace the wonder of God in our hearts and have those hearts consumed with the desire for beauty. As Christians, that's the war we are in. There are so many other competing desires within our heart and within the hearts of those that we are with, with in the hearts of our co-workers, our schoolmates, our families. And so the war, what we're trying to do is have Jesus be the greatest desire of our heart. Jesus be the greatest desire of our friends' hearts, of our neighbors' hearts. We want to hold those out and allow God to do what he's doing. You see, this is an ongoing process that increases our desire until we say, like David, the one thing, all that I want is that beauty. All that I want is the beauty of God. The, the thing about this beauty is it's different from what we've defined as beauty. So often, culture, and, and even um, like, like I'm wearing my nice clothes today. Like, we, that's where we go. We think that, that it's this external thing. Beauty is is what I perceive. and And so you look throughout history, and what has been defined as beautiful has changed. Like, all you have to do is go to a museum and see the pictures of the people that they put up as beautiful hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, and you're like... I don't know, like we have a different opinion of what is beautiful. But it's not just throughout history, it's even today. We have different ideas of what is beautiful if we're looking from an external point of view. But God is not beautiful in the sense of, his, of what you can see. God is beautiful in a complex beauty. God's beauty is not aesthetic, it's not uh, an outer beauty, but an inner beauty. A beauty that shines through. Beauty is not one of His attributes. We we had the privilege um, a a year or two ago of walking through the attributes of God. And beauty wasn't one of the attributes. But beauty is all of those attributes combined together that would make you stand in awe of Him. His righteousness. His holiness. His perfection. His all-knowing. His all-powerful, like the power of God. The humility that we see in Christ. The justice that He has. The mercy that He's poured out. The grace that's been offered to us. All of these things together make up the beauty of God. It's a complex beauty. It's not just a a viewing of it and we're like, wow, that's pleasant to look at. No, we're going to spend all of eternity looking from different directions and seeing all the multifaceted ways that you can look at this jewel that is Christ. And we would do that together. But the beauty of God is complex. It's, it's seeing him in his fullness. I have a quote from um, Spurgeon where he he's pointing to the notes that he has um, and he says another thing which we make, if you haven't read, sorry, The Treasury of David, if you're reading the Psalms, uh, Spurgeon's, Charles Spurgeon, who's a great preacher, wrote all of his notes on the Psalms, and they're, they're in this book called The Treasury of David. Um, and he walks through all the Psalms, and it's great. So I just want to point that out as a resource. When you're saying, hey, I want to look at this from different angles, that, that's, a, that's a direction that you can look from, and you can be like, man, I'm seeing some things from Spurgeon that I've never seen. He says, Another thing which we may call an element of the beauty in God is the combination of his various attributes in one harmonious whole. The colors of the rainbow are beautiful when taken one by one, but there is a beauty in the rainbow which arises not from any single tint. There's a beauty in it which would not exist if the several hues were assumed in succession. A beauty which is the result of their assemblage and co-location and consists in their blended radiance. In like manner do the several perfections which coexist and unite in the nature of God produce a glorious beauty. Holiness is beautiful. Mercy is beautiful. Truth is beautiful. But over and above there's a beauty which belongs to such combinations and harmonies as the psalmist describes when he tells us mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in heaven, and thy faithfulness reacheth to the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. He's quoting Psalms there. Psalm 85.10 that says steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Like, this is more than just one aspect, but it's the the multifaceted view of who God is, that He is both steadfast love and He is faithfulness, and they meet, and righteousness and peace kiss each other. Psalm 85.10. Psalm 36, 5-6 through six says this, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. In that, you see the beauty of God and you see His, His love, His faithfulness, His righteousness, His judgment. Yeah, even His judgment becomes part of that beauty that you see. And His salvation. This is what we will do in heaven, right? We will continue to, to be like, yeah, but, but remember, you're getting so focused on his righteousness, but don't forget his mercy, right? Don't forget his justice, and we'll do this forever, proclaiming the goodness, beauty, kindness of our God. But we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait because the fullness of beauty is found in Jesus. You see, if we. You can imagine that um, depending on the way that God had revealed himself to people in the Old Testament, they would have a different takeaway of who God was. Moses heard God's voice, and so to Moses, God was very intimate and close. He's also holy, right? Take your sandals off because you're standing on holy ground. Jacob wrestled with God. like There was, there was like a, a, an intimacy that he had with God. And so you have these different takeaways, but in the person of Jesus, you have all of God. We go back to it often, but Colossians, where we spent some of our time uh, several months ago, says this, For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. If you've seen Jesus... You've seen the fullness of God. As the disciples, when we're in the book of Mark, are walking with Jesus, they're experiencing, seeing the fullness of Yahweh. And that's blowing their minds. Because they had this this whole tradition that you could only go and, and, and be with God in the temple. And now God has become mankind incarnate and walking with them. And they're seeing Him. And knowing Him, and they're blown away that th- in this man is the fullness of God. You see, God promised in Isaiah that there would be a King, a Christ, a Messiah who would come, and He would be beautiful. Isaiah thirty-three seventeen says, "This: Your eyes will behold the King in His beauty; they will see a land that stretches afar." The promised Messiah, the promised Savior that would come, would be beautiful. But just like so many other ways that we've seen in Mark, the expectation was different from the reality. Because Isaiah also says in fifty three when he talks about the suffering servant, he says, "For he grew up before him. Uh, sorry, for he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him." He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. The beautiful king comes. And yet we despised him and rejected him. That's true. And yet, because of that, the faithful plan of God was executed... By us, we killed his son so that in his death, we could be made right with God. That's crazy. We wouldn't write that story, and yet God has written that story from the beginning of time that he would be glorified. That we would say, that is beauty. God, that you would take what we despised and rejected and now have made it the one thing that we would seek to dwell upon for the rest of our days that's beautiful only god could do that god you're more than we could ever ask or think or imagine your ways are different than our ways your thoughts are higher than our thoughts god you are other you're holy and then that makes you think revelation holy 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 is this God. He's other than us and His ways are perfect and His being is beautiful. And so the promise, beautiful King, was rejected by us as not being beautiful. And yet, in Him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and one of the ways that God showed Himself was in mercy. God had prolonged His wrath and His judgment so that it could be poured out on Christ. So that Christ, who was rejected by God, who was scorned by God, even as we scorned Him, could take on the punishment that you and I deserve. He would drink the cup of God's wrath for us so that we, instead of wrath, would receive mercy that is the grace of God. That is the good news of the gospel that we believe. And so the fullness of God is pleased to dwell in the person and being in Jesus. The complex beauty of God dwells and shines through Jesus. How do we know this? Well, Jesus has told us himself in speaking to his disciples and, again, I... I don't know, I feel like I've referenced this a lot lately, but this prayer of Jesus in John, chapters 14 through 17, spend some time there. Spend some time there. See what Jesus is telling and praying for His disciples. And one of the things that He tells them, He says this, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So when we read David writing in Psalms 27 verse 4, and he says... One thing that I would ask would be to to dwell in your presence and to see your beauty. Jesus says, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've known me, if if you know my story, if you rest in my grace, if you walk in my righteousness and you see me, you see the fullness of God. You see beauty. So today I pray that we would see that that we would not only see it, but our hearts would be captured by it, our affections would be captured by it, that all the other passions would fade away, and this one passion would consume those other things. Jesus tells them, and then he prays for them. In John 17, 24, Jesus prays the same prayer that David prays. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's saying, I pray that they would be in my presence and that they would see me. That they would see my glory. That they would see my beauty and they would be enraptured by it. Just as David is praying in, in Psalm 27 verse 4, one thing I've asked... That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. That I would be with God. right? Not, we're not talking about in the temple. Because God has come to us. He has dwelled with us. He abides with us. And so now we have access to God wherever we are. To be in the presence of God. And then not only to be in His presence, but to look upon His face. To look at Jesus. To see His glory. To see His beauty. To be in awe. It's the prayer that David prays and the prayer that Jesus prays for us. That we would know him and that it wouldn't be just a a head knowledge, but it it would be a transforming thing. That all those other passions would be consumed by this passion for Jesus. So, this morning's call uh, to to believe is simple it's a call to, to see Jesus and enjoy him, to believe, right? There's this idea that we have that we want to delight in beauty and in that Jesus has come and He has been beauty and He's given us joy. He's given us satisfaction in knowing Him. We talked about it earlier, Matthew 13, 44. And, and so He finds the treasure. He goes and sells everything He has. And then it says this, Then in His joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Like, it, like it's not just I have to do it. It's no, I get to do it. I am invited to, to sell everything I have and to come and pursue this singular passion in God. And that brings me joy. That brings me a satisfaction that nothing else can. It gives me a rest and a peace and a confidence and a trust and a faith that nothing else can satisfy. And so in my joy... I get to come and dwell in His house and gaze upon His beauty. And we get to do that together forever. I call you this morning. I would pray that our delight in beauty finds its ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray a prayer from Augustine. It says this. Too late did I love you, O beauty, so ancient and yet so new. Too late did I love you. For behold, you were within and I without, and there did I seek you. I, unlovely, rushed heedlessly among the things of beauty you made. You were with me, but I was not with you. Those things kept me far from you, which, unless they were in you, were not. You called and cried aloud and forced open my deafness. You gleamed and shined and chased away my blindness. You exhaled odors, and I drew in my breath and panted after you. I tasted and hungered and thirst. You touched me, and I burned for your peace. God, that's our desire today. It's a desire that you've already met. Lord, you've come to us. God, Emmanuel, God with us has come to us, Lord. And even as we think about this Advent season... What did we need? What do we hunger for? What do we thirst after? And it is the person of Jesus. And you have come and made a way. You've given us access to yourself. Because of your shed blood. Because of your broken body that was poured. Your blood that was poured out for us. And your body that was broken for us. God, you drank the cup of the wrath that we deserved. So that we could walk in your perfect righteousness. In perfect communion with the Father by the working of the Spirit. God, we thank You so much. I pray that that would be what what buoys us this week. That would be the thing that we keep coming back to that is the one passion and one desire that we have. Lord, and I pray that as we sit in that place, that all the other passions would be consumed and fade away. That all the other things vying for our attention and for our worship, for our time and our talent and our treasure, Lord, that they would fade away and that we would give you all of us. That we would dwell in your house and gaze upon your beauty. And in there we would find joy. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen.